1: Kevin calls me to try to smooth things over, tells me that he loves me, apologized for his outburst. But he really he was apologizing, but he wasn't. Um, I just I could not believe that this person had done that publicly embarrassed me. And then I see a girl with long black hair hanging off his back. So in that same phone call, I said, who is the girl in the blue swimming suit with the long black hair hanging off of your back? Are you dating her? Because you told me you weren't dating anyone because you didn't have time and that that was not what this separation was about. And I said, that's not the terms. I said, if you are, that's fine. But I said, that changes a lot of things. And so I said, you need to tell me. And he couldn't tell me. Um, I knew he was lying to me, but I just wanted him to admit it to me. And he just said she was just a friend and that she was someone that was trying to date him and was interested in him but he didn't see her like that and there was a zero percent chance i believe that Uh, but i just said okay i just kind of i just started in my mind kind of was thinking all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start slowly like start to collect evidence because i'm gonna take you down you have wronged me for the last time you know and i was mad at myself as the old saying goes wrong me once shame on you wrong me twice shame on me so it was a little bit like of some self loathing and you know kind of accepting that I had let this happen to my to me again so that's when I decided that it was I was going to expose this person the best way that I could, but I knew that I had to be very calculated, and I knew I was going to have to start to play a game of chess with this person. So in my mind, that's, that's what I did.
2: I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. In part one of this story a professional woman describes her seven-year relationship with a man who, unbeknownst to her, was living a double life. I call them Melissa and Kevin. To protect everyone's privacy, all names have been changed. In the previous episode, Kevin asked Melissa to move out of the home that they had purchased together, saying that he wasn't happy and needed two weeks to sort out his feelings. That was at the end of April 2020. Melissa, brokenhearted, left with only a suitcase. She went to stay with her uncle, who lived on a nearby lake. Even though he had asked her to leave, Kevin continued to text Melissa every day, saying that he loved her. He offered to bring her clothes or anything else that she needed. He even asked her to come back to their house twice to babysit their dogs while he went out of town. Melissa agreed to do it. She missed her dogs, but she was uncomfortable.
1: And the first time I I went to the house, and I'm like babysitting my dogs in my own house, but it doesn't feel like my house. It was a terrible feeling, Donna. It was just, it made the pit in my stomach get bigger and blacker and deeper. Like sub subliminally, like I knew what was going on, you know, and this wasn't about me. And then he had me do it in June of 2020 as well. And the first night I was sleeping in our bed and I just knew that I needed to come to grips with the fact that this wasn't, this was he was doing it to me again. And and it was over that there was no coming back from this, that he wasn't working on himself or he wasn't figuring out things. He was conning me and cheating and lying to me again. So the second time I actually, my mom had called me and I cried into the phone and I said, I don't want to be stay here. And she said, why don't you come, come to our house with the dogs for the rest of the weekend? So I did that Um, because I just emotionally couldn't handle being in my house as a guest in my own home. (laughs) It's, you know, the best way I can put it. It's, It's a very bizarre feeling.
2: Lakes surround the city where Melissa and Kevin lived, and on the 4th of July, everyone goes boating. At one lake, boats tie up together, forming two long rows facing each other. Between the rows is a channel of shallow water, where people can wade among the boats. It's one big party.
1: People are on floaties, and different boats have DJs and a couple of boats. These big houseboats have water slides, so it's pretty fun. So Kevin came to me and said, you're not going to the lake for Fourth of July, are you? And I said, yeah, why? I have my friends. I'm living on the lake this summer at my uncle's, so yes, I go on the lake every weekend. Why would I not? Then he kind of like made me feel bad. And you know, this was something I wanted to do. And he's like, you're following me. And he's like, I just wanted to be on the lake with no drama. And I said, well, the lake is pretty big. Like there's no reason for us to like be worrying about that. And you know, he didn't, he didn't want me at, at this big party on the lake because he was going.
2: So Melissa knew Kevin would be at the lake. She went with her friends anyway. Melissa hoped to avoid him. But just in case, she didn't drink any alcohol. If she ran into him, she didn't want to say or do anything that she would regret. Then it happened. Melissa and her friend took a walk in the shallow water of the channel and spotted Kevin coming towards them.
1: behold, I saw this person who, you know, keep in mind, has been texting me every day and still tells me that he loves me and blah, blah, blah. I see him on the channel. So I was like, hey, I said, how, you know, how are you? Like, just stopping to say hi. And I asked, how are the dogs? And he looks at me and he takes his fist and like hits the water and splashes everyone. He's like, I told you I didn't want to talk to you today, you effing psycho. And I was shocked that he did that to me because while Kevin was typically very emotionally abusive, you know, in terms of like, but he usually was never verbally abusive. Like he didn't ever usually raise his voice and call me names. So the fact that he did this publicly and that I just asked how our dogs were, which I had every right to, (laughs) made me really suspicious. And my friend that was with me, she stops and she just like looks because she's just shocked. I'm embarrassed because it makes it look like I made a scene. And I just walk off crying. So I climb back on my friend's boat and I'm just falling. And I just was like, I cannot believe that he just did that. And, you know, it it was humiliating. So then after I got my bearings to me, I stood on the edge of my friend's boat and I looked down the channel and I saw a girl (laughs) with long, long black hair hanging off of Kevin's back. And I just was like, huh. Okay. So that was kind of like, is that the hair that I found in the waistband um, on the trip when he said he was um, in Philadelphia when maybe he really wasn't? Um, So I kind of started putting the two and two together, so.
2: The next day, Kevin called to apologize. Melissa asked him directly about the woman with the long, long black hair who was hanging off his back at the lake. She was certain that her boyfriend was romantically involved with this woman, but he refused to admit it. That was it, Melissa was done. But Kevin was not going to get away with lying and cheating scot-free. She made up her mind to expose him, carefully and methodically. First, she needed to know who the other woman was.
1: It is now August of 2020. I go over to my house when I know that Kevin's not going to be there. And lo and behold, you know, there is a backpack of woman's things. So I look through it when I, want, I let myself into the house, just hoping for a name. Right. Um, I found a few nursing books, chemistry, basics to nursing, open it up, just looking for a name. I just, I needed a name. I didn't, and that was all I needed. Didn't find anything. Um, I then called my mother, and I burst out crying, and I said, um, I said, I need to move out of the house. I'm done with Kevin. I said, I came over to the house, and there's woman's shoes by the back door. There's a woman's backpack with toiletries and overnight bag, and there's some, you know, nursing chemistry books. I'm like, I'm done. Will you help me?
2: Melissa knew she couldn't move out of the house by herself emotionally she was falling apart
1: i i wasn't okay don i i wasn't um at this time by august of 2020 i was diagnosed with severe clinical depression due to my situation so i had never struggled with anxiety or depression ever in my whole life up until kind of when this stuff started going down with with kevin um i I couldn't sleep at night. I had for the second time shrunk down to mm, probably, you know, 15, 20 pounds lighter than I normally had been. Um, I would just get these bouts of just sadness and I just couldn't stop crying. So I, I knew that I needed to get to get, on, to get some help. So um, I was given antidepressants and then even to get through the really, really hard times that, that I knew were gonna come. The doctor did give me, um, like a a week supply of adamant So just if I have those bouts of where I just am really sad or feel like extremely anxious and cagey, then you know I took one of those just for some temporary relief. And you know, living through that period of anxiety and depression, it really opened my eyes and really I really empathize with people that struggle with that their whole life Um, that is an absolute terrible feeling again mine was just temporary just due to the situation that I that I was in but to climb out from that hole that is a hole I never ever want to be in again and I told myself I will never ever allow someone to emotionally get me to where I was because there was a point where I never would have hurt myself and not done that to my family but I remember thinking, if I don't wake up tomorrow, I don't care. And that's terrifying. That's that's absolutely awful to think that someone who never loved me and never respected me was able to put me in that place, of, you know, and make me think that about myself. That's kind of the, the whole real disgusting part of all of this, right? Is that, and this person didn't care. He didn't care. So why am I, why is my life in shambles and, you know, I'm sad and crying and, you know, dealing with this day in and day out, this emotional mind tease, right? That this person's manipulating me. So, um, you know, I was working on getting better. And and part of this, honesty, this revenge that I decided that I was going to instill on Kevin, it almost actually was therapy, right? That it was like, I had a plan, this person absolutely treated me just like worse than a, I don't know, I mean, a rat on the street, right? Like, I mean, my gosh, like, so I think that that helped me kind of like, it gave me motivation that I was gonna put this plan together to get back at this person, and rightfully so. You know, may, maybe some people will argue that I shouldn't have had such a vendetta, but in the time when you realize that You've wasted seven years on someone that didn't love you and they lied to you the whole time and took advantage of your love and your loyalty. Like, yeah, you're going to be bitter.
2: Right then and there, while she was standing in what was once her own home, Melissa decided to call Kevin.
1: Look, I said, I'm making the decision to end this because you're not going to. So I said I will be moving out here in a couple of weeks. I'll give you the details. And he kind of paused for a second. He said, "Yeah, I think that's probably for the best." And I said, "Yeah, it is." I said, "This is. I, I'm not doing this anymore." I was like, "We're done. We don't need to go to therapy anymore." I'm just like, "I'm. I'm. I'm done." He didn't really say much. Um, I mean, what could he say, right? He got. He got what he wanted without having to break up with me and look like the monster. Um, so the day that when I was leaving my house and I didn't find any identification of, you know, in the backpack on, a, I don't know, like it was like kind of like in, in your book down there, you talk about the guidance and your spirit and like how sometimes thoughts popped into your head. And I don't know if it was my spirit or my guardian angel, but on a whim, I wrote down the license plate number of a vehicle parked outside of our house. I'd lived in that neighborhood for years, had never seen it. Um, was a black SUV and had had, um, out-of-state license plate from the next state over. So I figured that was probably the mystery woman's vehicle. I didn't know what I was going to do with the license plate number, but I wrote it down.
2: A couple of days later, Melissa had an epiphany. She'd recently met someone at the lake who could possibly access license plate data. She called him up. He found a name. Melissa Googled it, and discovered that her boyfriend, Kevin, was involved with a social media influencer whom we'll call Tanya.
1: So when I opened up Tanya's Instagram page, the first photo that I saw was Kevin, Tanya, and my two dogs on my deck. Tanya had thrown a birthday party for my male dog named after my deceased grandpa. (laughs) Um, So I I can't tell you in that moment (laughs) what that feels like just to, to you know, like everything came full circle. Like I knew what Kevin was doing, but to see, you know, my now estranged boyfriend, just, you know, replacing me with Tanya, and had the audacity to just, like, let her throw a birthday party for a dog that he and I shared together it was just, like, <laughs> mind-blowing.
2: Melissa was heartsick about her dogs.
1: Those were my children. Like, they, they really, and especially during this estrangement, I found myself, like, really, really missing my dogs because they stayed back at the house, as you know, with Kevin. Um. So... My dogs were are very much a pivotal point part of my life. They're my family. Kevin left me alone a majority of our relationship, so I really like leaned on them as, as my housemates and you know my, my children.
2: Melissa was the one who always took care of the dogs. She was attached to them. She realized that she needed to get the dogs away from Kevin.
1: In my mind, those were my dogs. And I was letting Kevin call the shots, and now I was not going to. So I took a deep breath. Um, I got my composure, and I called up Kevin. And of course, he answered, because he usually always did throughout the duration of our relationship. And even though now we were estranged, he always answered my texts and phone calls. Um, I don't know how he did it. He must have been exhausting you know, balancing all of these women all the time on his phone. Um, So I decided that I was gonna tell him a flat out lie, like he'd been lying to me, so I had no problems about lying to him. I said, "Um, I really miss the dogs. And I said, you've basically had them for the last, you know, two months. I said, I know that you've let me see them here and there, but I said, I wanna take them to my parents for the weekend.
2: Melissa's plan was to convince Kevin to give her the Mm -hmm. dogs and then not return them. She knew that legally, if she had possession of the dogs, the authorities would not get involved and she would not have to give them back. Kevin hesitated at first, but then agreed to let Melissa take the dogs.
1: Kevin and I meet up about halfway to get possession of the dogs. he has just brought the minimal, of course, which I knew he would. He just bought a little bit, enough food. He didn't bring their dishes, just their their leashes and their collars and, and a little bit of food. And I remember he looked at me. He put the dogs in the backseat of my car. He kissed each one of them on the head. And then he turns to me and he's in a pretty serious, low, threatening voice. Not like super threatening, but definitely he was trying to to um, push me around. He looked at me and he said, just because I'm giving you possession of the dogs now doesn't mean you get to keep them full time. Do you got that? Do you understand? And I just looked at him and I said, yep, thank you. And I was thinking in my head, you SOB, kiss those dogs goodbye because you are never seeing them again. And Donna, that was the last day that he saw them.
2: After dropping off the dogs, Kevin sent Melissa a text.
1: Kevin told me in the text message that he was very emotional and very sad. And he kept thinking about, you know, all the good times we had together, and how the last time I said goodbye to him, and i um and he thought he teared up because he said that was how I always would say goodbye with a hug and that it was probably the last time. And this was very hard on him. and um he wanted me to know that I had done nothing wrong, that I was amazing, and I was a great person. and and, and in it. He had the audacity to write to me. You know, maybe in six months we'll get back together. Maybe not. Maybe you'll move down and and be happy. But I just want you to know that I wasn't happy myself and I couldn't make you happy. And I don't know how to make myself happy or something like that. So I I was shocked that he even thought that he could breadcrumb me, that I would be pathetic enough to have gone through all of this crap And that he actually, in his own mind, was narcissistic enough to think that I would consider getting back together with him in six months. (laughs) Like, I I was so disgusted by that um, text that I read it. I I looked at it, just burst out crying.
2: Two days later, Melissa moved out of her home. Her entire family helped. Her parents, her two uncles, an aunt, her sister, her sister's fiancé, and her two children they packed up everything that melissa had paid for which was almost everything in the house
1: the upstairs was the upstairs formal living room was stripped bare all that stuff was mine um i i, I mean I, I was i was a mass down i don't really honestly remember much of the day my family did most of the packing for me um i remember breaking down and at one point i was in my in, in Kevin and I's bedroom and I was stripping the bedding off. I didn't want it, but I wasn't gonna leave it for him because I paid for it. And I just burst out crying. And my uncle, um, the one that I had been staying with during the estrangement or separation, just stood and hugged me and he didn't say much. and, And I also felt terrible for putting my family through this. I hated Kevin for doing this. Like, you know, not only did it affect me, but it affected my family very negatively because they were very worried about me. You know, my sister had two minor children and, you know, I didn't want them to see me like this. You know, I think my nephew at the time was 16 and my niece was 12. Yeah. So, I mean, they were, you know, old enough to understand what was going on, but I still hated for them to see me like that because they knew that, that their very, you know, usually jovial, pretty happy-go-lucky aunt was just diminished to this emotional just mess um so I remember having a couple of moments where I just I I honestly like it was it was hard to like this house that I worked so hard for that I had painted that my mom and uncle and myself had you know spent many days out of the lawn landscaping to get it just the way that I wanted it like I had you know enjoyed picking out the granite countertops and the tile backsplash I enjoyed like being able to design my bathroom that I had redone, and you know, just the way that I wanted, I painted it and decorated the way it, just to have it all gone. I, you know, I stood Donna for all those years and poured so many drinks at the bar working to get extra money for this home, and it was just gone. So it was, it was, it was. I would say that was probably the the worst of all. Of it was that day. Um, I cried. I think. The whole way home um, it was an hour and a half drive. I just, I couldn't stop, you know. Um, and then I got to my parents' house and I sat on the floor of my childhood bedroom and cried and cried and couldn't stop crying. And my parents both came in and they were upset, um, hold on. They were upset, you know, and of course, and I was upset that they were upset, but I just couldn't get better, you know, like, and they told me that if I don't put it together, that they were, you know, going to consider taking me into the mental health ward of the local hospital, (laughs) which, you know, is terrifying, like, and that even think that I, you know, needed that, but they didn't know what to do. So, I got, you know, got it together for them. You know, I think by then I had was all cried out anyways. Um, But, yeah, that was a tough
2: day. (sighs) Once Melissa moved out, she was ready to implement the next steps of her plan.
1: Um, So then... Now I'm all moved out. I have all of my things. I have the dogs. Um Kevin is obviously catching on that I don't want to give the dogs back. Um he also owes me a lump sum of money because remember the day that um I was asked to move out, I took that big bag of receipts. So I at least had receipts for majority of everything that we had ever put into the house. And so now I was gonna get my money. That was action item number two on my list. Okay, get the dogs, move out, get your money. And then the third and final step was to confront Tanya.
2: Melissa wanted to be reimbursed for the time and money she had invested into the house. According to the receipts, Kevin owed her $22,000.
1: So he didn't want to pay for the paint that I paid for, or he didn't consider any of the sweat equity that my mom, uncle, and I put into the landscaping. He said that didn't matter that I did that on my own accord, (laughs) which is hilarious because now all of a sudden Kevin treated me completely like a renter at this point. And he said, well, I'm just trying to protect myself. And I said, so I've just been a renter this whole time. So I said, so you let a renter paint and you let a a renter spend their own money on your property that you had no intentions of giving back oh okay like that, that that was nice and he just he didn't care he said yeah you know he's like "That's not your house you know which he was right I was a fool um didn't get you know did all this stuff to a house that wasn't mine yes um so to all those listeners out there like don't make the same mistake that I did, <laughs> especially when you move in with a sociopath because they will put the screws to you. So we decided on $18,000. It was quite a, a bitter back and forth. Um, I think he was caught off guard that I had receipts because I said, Kevin, we can do this the easy way. I said, here's the spreadsheet with all the receipts prove," And I said, we can do this easy way or we can go to mediation and then let the mediators. Sort it all out at, you know, a hundred some dollars an hour. You pick. Well, he didn't want to do that either. So we settled at $18,000. You know, I took it on the nose for four grand at this point. I didn't care. I just, I wanted to be done with him. I wanted my money so I could execute
2: my revenge. Kevin paid Melissa the $18,000. Then she moved on to the third part of her plan, which was exposing him to Tanya.
1: I have typed up a nice letter talking to Tanya, just explaining myself in the situation. I gave her the benefit of the doubt. Um, I removed all emotion from the letter and just stated facts. I found her email address and I sent it to her. And within a couple minutes of me sending the email to her, just explaining who I was and that I believed that she um, had been dating my boyfriend, Kevin, at the same time that I was dating him, She replies and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm sick to my stomach. Like, my heart is dropping.
2: And then Tanya writes, wait, you mean Roger didn't have a seizure at daycare? Melissa was confused. Roger was her male dog who was named after her deceased grandfather. There was nothing wrong with him.
1: And then I realized that this was probably the story that Kevin fabricated to tell Tanya because he had to explain why the dogs all of a sudden were
2: gone. Melissa thought they should talk. She gave Tanya her cell phone number. Tanya called right away.
1: In the phone conversation I had with Tanya, I said, well, okay, time out. What about the dogs? What did he tell you about our dogs? So, of course, Kevin spun a story to Tanya that I was a psycho ex from a long time ago. Of course, always the psycho. Oh, I, you know, every narcissist, every ex is a psycho, right? It's never them. (laughs) He told Tanya that I was um, an emergency contact for the dogs that he and Lori shared. Keep in mind that Lori had moved to Texas and had moved away. So Kevin told Tanya that these dogs were dogs that he and Lori had together and Lori didn't want them when she moved to Texas. And that somehow, even though I was a psycho ex from a long time ago, I was still an emergency contact at the daycare provider, the doggy daycare. And that our dog, the oldest male dog, had had a seizure and they couldn't get a hold of Kevin. So they got a hold of me. And I allegedly picked the dogs up from daycare to take the hound dog to the emergency vet to take care of his seizures. And Tanya told me that Kevin told her that I was going to keep them because I needed them as emotional support dogs for my benign brain tumor. <laughs> Donna, I I, I I, can't even tell you in that moment what that feels like to hear that, that someone that you loved and shared a bed with and was loyal to and bent over backwards to try to make him happy this whole time, to find out that he's saying that about you, that you have a benign brain tumor? (sighs) I mean, it's the lowest of the low.
2: Melissa explained that she didn't have a benign brain tumor and that she and Kevin had gotten the dogs together. Then she asked Tanya if she found all her toiletries in the bathroom off the master bedroom.
1: And I found out from Tanya that Kevin was taking the door handle off of the bathroom, so she couldn't get in there to see my things. And he told her that the toilet was broken, and so she should only use the bathroom downstairs.
2: Tanya also said that after some time, she got sick of looking at a bottle of aloe vera that was on the kitchen table. She wanted to put it away, but didn't want to walk downstairs to Kevin's bathroom.
1: So she said, I picked up the aloe vera from the kitchen table and was going to put it in the bathroom off the bedroom. And she said, I went in there because I had, you know, and saw, opened up the drawer and saw a birth control um, prescription in my name for January of 2020. So of course she went, well, whoa, like who who is this? And why is all this person's stuff in here? So she said, she went to Kevin and said, you know, who's so-and-so I saw a prescription for her, um, with a name on it for January of 2020 in your bathroom. And he was just like, I don't know. So he was gaslighting her too. Like, and I questioned her, I said, what do you mean? You didn't know? Like it had, it was time stamped, like the date, like. Tanya, come on. Like that, that was me. Like you didn't think to reach out to me. So she, I mean, she came up with as many excuses as she could to, but I I didn't believe her for two seconds that she didn't know that there wasn't another woman. Like, how could you not? She then told me that she said, well, then I, you know, I told my friends about some of this and they were like, well, gosh, like wake up, you know, like, and I, and I, I told her, I said, well, what about when you came home and 75% 75% of the house was moved out. Like, what What did Kevin tell you then, Tanya, what? She said that he told her that I was down and out and that I, I really needed furniture and that Kevin was doing me a favor because poor little old, his psycho ex-girlfriend with the benign brain tumor needed help. Um, he told her that he just sold all the furniture to me at a, at a good deal because he felt bad for me <laughs> um in reality that was stuff that I paid for myself and I took it when I moved out of our home that's that's what happened Tanya so but at this point it's almost like now like the lies are starting to come full circle and it's actually quite comical so then I'm getting it I'm so then she said oh my gosh Kevin just pulled in the driveway can I call you back later she's like I just I've, I don't even know how I'm gonna act around him and I said yes call me back because That was going to be my mission, is that I was going to save this girl from this monster. Like, no one saved me. No one came to me and and told me about this man and how awful he was, because I would have ran for the hills. But, um, you know, I, I was going to help. I was bound and determined to get this girl away from this monster.
2: Melissa kept talking to Tanya and learned more about the stories that Kevin told her.
1: Kevin was basically talking, had told her about his life as if I didn't existed. So I found out that um, he had a girlfriend that he was telling Tanya that he had a a long-term girlfriend named Lori and she, they broke up in August of 2019 and she moved to Texas, which was true. Um, He let Tanya think that he had lived in this home with Lori, um, that the dog, the two dogs that we shared together were dogs that... He had gotten with Lori, which was also a lie. Um, so he basically just had cut me from his life. <laughs> so basically, he was telling it as if he had lived his life with uh, with Lori, but had just omitted me. Um, so I start to tell Tanya things, and, sh- and she believes me. Um, I start to show her timestamps, stamps, text messages from Kevin saying he still loved me. You know, I said, "Here's a text message." from the day before I moved out, you know, to saying how in six months maybe we'll be back together and that I'm a great person and I did nothing wrong and I deserve to be happy and yada
2: yada. And Kevin told Tanya that after he broke up with Lori, he hooked up with a couple of other women, conveniently neglecting the fact that he still had a live-in girlfriend, Melissa.
1: I know that he cheated on me with at least four people. I'm sure there's way more. You know, I just I was just so repulsed. And I just I was just like, do you understand, Tanya, that this person is a liar and that the whole foundation of your relationship is based on a lie that he literally met you when he had a live in girlfriend and was telling two people that he loved two women at the same time? And I said, I said, if you don't believe me, I said, feel free to reach out to
2: to Lori. By this time. Melissa had been communicating with Lori, and they swapped stories. Lori did move in with Kevin when he got his new out-of-state job. In fact, she took a pay cut to do it. But eventually, she became fed up with his lies. She left him to move to Texas. So to make a long story short,
1: um, Tanya and I are kind of having contact. She decided that she wanted to confront Kevin in her own way. Um, I decided for my own sanity that I wanted to read a letter to Kevin's face um, just to look at my abuser in the eye and let him know that he had lied to me for the last time and that I was on to him.
2: Melissa arranged to meet Kevin in a McDonald's parking lot. She sat next to him in his truck.
1: I met up with, with Kevin to his face. I read a letter. It started out with kind of the letter you know, kind of almost seemed like I was going to beg and plead for him to come back to me. I talked about how sad I was and how many tears I cried and how, when we were separated, I wanted more than anything for him to call me up and say, he missed me and come back home. And then I the letter kind of took a turn for the worse. And I said, but then I realized that you were actually were lying to me. You didn't mean any of that, that you already had, had another girlfriend for the second time you had done this to me and that you weren't sad at all. Either you were, you know, Traipsing all around town with your new girlfriend while you, your other girlfriend is estranged. You know, crying in her uncle's, at her in her uncle's basement over you. Um, so essentially, I read I read that letter to his face. Um, obviously, I knew about Tanya. I talked to her on the phone. I knew that he and Tanya had just adopted a dog together, and that she had had um, had just moved in. You know, she moved in shortly after I contacted her. So I hadn't been moved out of the house more than a month and she was already moved in. <laughs> um, so he didn't admit to anything. When I looked him in the eye, I said, I know Tanya's your girlfriend. And he said, no, she's not. And I said, she has an Instagram profile. Like I saw you guys, just an open Instagram profile. Saw so you guys just adopted a dog together. You're standing side by side in the yard. And he goes, that's not my dog, that's her dog. Like he wouldn't even admit it to my face. He wouldn't admit anything about Lori, like nothing. And I'm just crying. And I just, I remember I looked at him and I said, did you ever love me? And he said, yeah, I did. And I said, no, you didn't. And I really don't believe that. Like he said that, but there's no way that you could treat someone as crappy as you did to me and literally tell me thousands of lies day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and you can, you're going to tell me you love me? No, you didn't. So I looked at him, and he just basically just said, you know, he's like, one day when I'm the CFO of a really big company, you're going to regret this. And I just looked at him.
2: Melissa wanted Kevin to acknowledge what he had done, that he had cheated, and that he had never loved her. But... Her ex-boyfriend didn't admit to anything i should have known better you know And they'll never they'll never admit it right but i was just looking for
1: for an acknowledgement um he didn't he didn't even acknowledge what he had done to me he couldn't even admit it and so i just looked at him and i just slid out of the seat of his truck and before i closed the door i just paused and he and he looked at me and he said so i suppose this means we're not sharing the dogs huh and i said No, they're mine. And just closed the door and walked away. (laughs) Like, that was, that was it.
2: Then, when Kevin got home, Tanya also confronted him.
1: She told me she wrote a letter to his face, um, and that he started crying and that he said he really loved her and that he was sorry that he lied about a couple of things, um, Cause he had been lying and was telling her that our dogs were really dogs that he and Lori had gotten together. So I found a photo of when Roger was a puppy standing in our kitchen and I screenshot it and I sent it to Tanya and I said, um, that's not Lori in the photo, is it? That's me with my dog as a puppy in our kitchen from Facebook timestamped. So you can show that photo to Kevin as a refresher in case he somehow forgot that, we got Roger together. So then he had, and then he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I admitted that I lied about, about Roger and, you know, um, Lori and the the two girls knew about each other. You know, they, they're trying to gang up against me because they don't want me to be happy. And he just started feeding her all this crap. And I told her, I said, you can leave. And she said, I have nowhere to go. I just moved in. We just got a dog together. And she's, I said, You can give the dog back to the rescue. They'll understand. And she said, no, I'm too attached.
2: Even Lori talked to Tanya and corroborated the story. Tanya stayed with Kevin anyway.
1: So at this point, I realized that Tanya is not going to leave him. And um, I was going to tap out. You know, Kevin came up with every excuse in the book. He actually, to diminish the text messages that I had that were time stamped of him He actually told Tanya that my uncle, who I was staying with, who does work in IT, hacked into his iPhone and made those text messages up. And my uncle burst out laughing. He's like, you'd have to have some pretty powerful equipment to do that.
2: By this time, Melissa had found love fraud and learned that the best thing she could do was go no contact with Kevin. Still, she didn't always succeed at ignoring him
1: um he calls me and i answer it you know against my own good judgment and he's livid his voice is shaking he's threatening me telling me that if i don't stop contacting tanya he was going to get to put a restraining order on me and i said why i said i haven't done anything wrong but tell her the truth i said i'm not threatening anyone he said why you're mad because you're exposed to her and now she's questioning your behavior as she should and i said what about what about the fabrication, Kevin, that you told her that we were in court, in in small claims court over our dogs? I said, so what did you tell her that? And he goes, well, he goes, we were, we are in court. And I said, oh, really? I said, keep in mind, obviously, Donna, we did not go to court over the custody of the dogs, but to save face, I think he told her that, you know, just to try to like make himself look like this poor man that got screwed over by the court system, you know, that this evil monster ex-girlfriend took away his child, his fur children, you know.
2: Melissa wasn't giving Kevin access to the dogs, even though the female had developed a medical problem.
1: Kevin is now breadcrumbing me, trying to text message me about the dogs. And I'm just like, look, they're my dogs and i'm not gonna lie i kind of i did reply to him because i wanted him to suffer and i hope he really missed the dogs because that was one 100th of what he put me through and i said the dogs are my decision and i said if i have to put the female dog down that's going to be my decision and my decision only because she's my dog and he writes back wow that's low even for you and that's my thing, donna i lost it i could not believe that this person is gaslighting me and trying to make me look like the villain. So that's when I decided that I was going to get back at Kevin for that. I'd had it. I was sick of him demeaning me and, you know, all of this other crap.
2: On Facebook, Melissa reached out to Kevin's estranged sister, whom we'll call Catherine even though she'd never met her. She wanted to ask Catherine a question.
1: And I said, what's wrong with your brother? Do you think he's a sociopath? And she said, oh, my gosh. And she basically broke down and she said, I don't know. And she goes, I just, I I can't stand him. I know he lies to my parents. She's like, I just, I can't deal with his lies. And so then I started telling Catherine everything that he had done. I started showing her text
2: messages, emails. Catherine was shocked and sorry for her brother's behavior. Melissa then asked if she could call Kevin's parents to say goodbye. Catherine conferred with her sister and they agreed that Melissa should tell their mother what Kevin had done. They need
1: to know what he is like. Like they, they can only hear it, you know, for, from so, from so many people. So she said my mo- my mother's expecting your phone call. So I, I called his mother, and I talked to her for about an hour.
2: By the time they talked, Catherine had already told her mother some of the story, and she had reacted.
1: Um, Kevin's mother texted him the night before and said, was so disgusted, what she found out after Catherine told, you know, everything that Kevin had done to me, um, that my ex's mother texted him and said, can you explain to me who Lori is? <laughs> You know, so I can't imagine what Kevin thought in that moment when he got a text message from his mother, you know, wanting to know who his side girlfriend for the four years was. Um, So we talked, you know, she um, unfortunately had heard this before from another ex-girlfriend that I had reached out to. Kevin had dated a girl for about six years prior to me. And before I talked to his sister and his mother, I reached out to her and I messaged her and I said, I know this is going to sound bizarre, but I said, um, I just want you to know that everything that Kevin did to you, he did to me too.
2: This was Joanne, the woman whose cards and letters Kevin had saved and Melissa found early in her involvement with him.
1: And she told me everything that Kevin had done. Kevin had treated her worse. Um, He would shut off his phone and she worked nights as an overnight nurse and he would just go to Vegas for a couple days. Um, when they, they dated during college, she caught him in, in bed with a couple of different women and, you know, she stayed with them and, you know, and I didn't judge her because obviously there were signs of Kevin's behavior and I stayed too. So there was no judgments and really, really, really liked Joanne. Um, I found her to be a lot like me, similarly personality I was shocked that she put up with what she did because she came off as very confident.
2: So Kevin's mother had heard the entire miserable story before from Joanne. The mother felt badly for both of them. And
1: she apologized, and she didn't shed a tear. I I cried in the conversation, and she just said, we didn't raise him this way, and I said, it's not that. I said, I think your son has a a personality disorder. And I said, I think he probably could benefit from some self-help. Um, I didn't want to like tell her that he was unfixable because he is who he is. And he was a complete monster. Cause I didn't want to make her feel bad, you know, like she can come to her own conclusions. And and at the end of the day, that is her own son, you know? So I, I, I use my words carefully, but I just told her, I said, you know, I hope, I hope he gets better. And she uh, you know thanked me and wished me the best of luck in my future endeavors. And, you know, she she did ask if I had talked to Tanya and I explained that, yes, I had, and that I told Tanya the truth. And he, even his own mother, Kevin's mother said to me out loud, she's like, why is she still with him? And I had to giggle because Catherine, his own sister had said the same thing to me online. And I just said, I don't know. Um, she's been forewarned.
2: After her conversation with Kevin's mother, Melissa did receive an email from Tanya.
1: She was mad at me that I reached out and she said, well, why are you doing this? You're either not over Kevin or you're out for revenge. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, you know, at that point, like, yeah, I I kind of like, he pushed me to, you know, did I, should I have contacted his sister? Maybe, maybe not. But I told the truth about everything and I provided the evidence. And I think it was part of my healing processes to like, recognize that Kevin had victimized multiple women over the years and I was one of his victims and I was finally going to speak out because Joanne didn't really confront him she walked away and I know you probably should you know listeners like sometimes confronting a narcissist gets you nowhere right but for me it was just like I'm usually an alpha female a type a personality I was I was not going to let this person think that they had beat me down to the ground that I was like I'm gonna at least get back at you the best that I could again that's that that was just me not necessarily a a scenario that I would recommend for everyone but that's just what what I wanted to do
2: I'm Donna Anderson and this is true love fraud stories To hear expert commentary related to this story, please become a premium subscriber. I interview Mandy Friedman, a licensed professional clinical counselor. I ask her about depression, what it is, how it affects you, and how to recover. As a subscriber, you'll also be invited to Love Fraud Live, my exclusive weekly Zoom event. I do a short presentation about sociopaths and narcissists, and then answer your questions. How would you describe the effect that this man had on your life?
1: I wish i never met him. <laughs> um, you know, for, for a couple of years, like, obviously I, I wasted seven years with this person essentially. And then it took me another year to just emotionally like process, um, by the grace of God, honestly, I found your website. I read your book that really helped me because I just had never tangled with someone like this. And then I started to realize that a lot of people have tangled with, you know, someone with a one of the five personality disorders that kind of falls into the narcissism. Um, but honestly, like now that I'm out of the woods and looking back, I have used what happened to me to talk to others. I, since moving, I've relocated to a transplant city here down in the South where everyone is a transplant and everyone, you know, um, kind of has a story or, or, you know, a reason why they moved to this, you know, kind of up and coming city, right? And it's, I have run into multiple people that have, you know, tangled with, people that have cheated and lied. And it's it's interesting and I've kind of used my experiences to help people in their different phases, just kind of similar to how you use your story to help me, Donna, and kind of paying it forward. Um, I'm able to spot and identify um, these people a lot quicker. I spotted a sociopath slash narcissist in a friend's uh, relationship. He was my friend first and then I befriended her and she started confiding in me and I started getting in her ear because I started realizing that her then boyfriend was strikingly similar to Kevin and it was terrifying and I told her, do get out now, you're only a year and a half in, do not waste any more time with this person. So I think ne- it neg- it affected me negatively for a long time, but now I'm kind of looking at it as a positive, right? Like I, I'm able to help others. I'm able to spot these monsters a lot quicker. I'm a lot smarter. Um, I'm more empathetic and understanding to people that have depression and anxiety where maybe I couldn't have understood it before because I hadn't been through that. You know, you can kind of take this this lemon that was my better part of a decade of my life. And it, it was, it was a black eye in my life and I've turned it into a, to lemonade because I think the thing is that is the powers that be, what Kevin did to me forced me to get out of my comfort zone. And that's what pushed me to move here down south. It turned out to be a blessing. I, st- I have both my dogs, you know, they, they live here with me. Um, so it all worked out in the end how it's supposed to. Every once in a while, I kind of wonder, you know, when, when Tanya's gonna catch Kevin cheating on her. Um, they are engaged to be married and they're gonna be married this fall. Um, I every once in a while look on her Instagram page just to giggle because I am over it. Just wondering if they're still together and they are. So um, best of luck to her.
2: (laughs) True Love Fraud Stories is produced by lovefraud.com. I'm the author of lovefraud.com and the researcher for this story. Engineering is by Terry Kelly. To learn how to recognize and recover from everyday sociopaths, visit lovefraud.com. And for more information about this story, other great stories, or if you'd like to share your story, visit podcasts.lovefraud.com.